Wonderful job, boys and girls. We, uh, we heard the angel Gabriel say, Hail, Crossroads Napoleon, and Christ has come. And uh, in your case, what does that mean? And I love that line. I could not tell you how fitting that is from the message that we heard last Sunday and the message that we're going to hear this Sunday. And you'll, you'll track with me here in just a moment. But what an awesome morning. Uh, what a great morning to see our kids uh, doing this and sharing the whole story of Christmas and what Christmas is, is all about. You know, I got to thinking that we often hear people say that children are the church of tomorrow. Uh, but I want to remind us all that children are the church of today. They are a vital part of, uh, of our church here at uh, Crossroads Napoleon. And uh, I want to say way to go to you moms and dads that are bringing your kids here uh, to Crossroads or to, to any church so that they can come to know and grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. There is absolutely no better gift that a father or a mother can give their children than the opportunity to know who Jesus Christ is. There is no better gift that a parent can give their child than to model what does it look like to live a life of obedience to God's word. That will be far greater than giving them an education, than giving them something that leads to a good job, or anything else that you can give them. I want you to also know that you do not have to be a perfect parent in order to disciple your kids well. Uh, in fact, the mistakes and shortcomings that you have will give you the opportunity to demonstrate to your kids that you continue to daily depend on the grace that God provides. And what a, what a blessing it is to help little ones come to understand the love that Jesus has for them. This morning, as always, God's Word has something good for us. So if you've got a Bible or you want to grab one in the, the seat there uh, or a phone, turn to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John, the first chapter. Last week, we looked at Mark chapter 1, and Levi introduced us to a, an individual by the name of John the Baptist, or uh, a.k.a. Johnny B., I think is what Levi called him. And we're going to discover that John the Baptist used his words and the way that he lived his life to proclaim Jesus to the world. His life was focused on pointing others to the reality and the truth that Jesus was not just a baby in the manger, but that Jesus literally was the Messiah, the long-awaited Savior. And the challenge of last Sunday's message was to, to follow the example of John the Baptist and use our words and our lives to look beyond ourselves and point others to Jesus. And again, while we will never, ever be able to do that perfectly, it's always good to be reminded that there will come a day when absolutely anything that does not have eternal value will simply pass away. Listen to that again. There will be a day when anything that does not have eternal value will simply pass away. And for those of us that are, that are living here today, uh, that doesn't mean that we don't take the time to enjoy many of the really good gifts that God has given us just for our enjoyment and our, our pleasure. Uh, we certainly can do that. But it simply means that we do our best to keep the priorities of our life lined up 
with eternity in mind. We keep our priorities lined up with eternity in mind. So if you happen to have missed last week or you're just here visiting and you want to, go on the the Crossroads website and uh, take a listen to last week's message. Again, last week we looked at the first chapter in the Gospel of Mark, and this week we're looking at two short sections in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. And so it'll be no surprise to you that there'll be some overlap in uh, what we see and what we discover. Once again, we will encounter the John the Baptist, and we will be challenged by his example. Before we get into that, let me have a quick word of prayer and just kind of transition our hearts and our minds to, to listening to God's word. Lord, we are so um, grateful and thankful for the privilege and the freedom that we have to be here. Uh, we thank you for the Christmas season and um, just the opportunity to focus our hearts and our minds on the reality that the God of the universe, the holy God, without any sin, was willing to come and take on human flesh and live here among us, a sinless life, so that you would be a, a, an appropriate sacrifice for our sins. Lord, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for the children that you have blessed this uh, church family with, uh, for the hard work that they have put in. Uh, and Lord, I pray that uh, even as, as fun and as enjoyable as their little program was, uh, that the reality that we all have the opportunity and the privilege to proclaim uh, Jesus Christ, uh, that, that we would leave here with that, Lord, and that we would do our best uh, to do that. Holy Spirit, focus our, our hearts and our minds on your word this morning and help us to, to learn what you want us to learn. And more than anything, help us to be obedient to it. Help us to put it into practice. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we take a quick look at at John chapter 1, I want to mention that over 700 years before John the Baptist was born, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, and you can find this in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3, and he described the specific role that John the Baptist would play in preparing the way for Jesus. And then 300 years later, still 400 years before John the Baptist was born, God spoke through the prophet Malachi. And that would be in in Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 and in chapter 4 verse 5. And he reminded his people that he would send a messenger ahead to prepare the way for the coming Savior. If you look at all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then into the book of Acts as well, you can see the ministry and the life of John. And his primary ministry, kind of a singular focus, was to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Many of you are aware that John the Baptist had a pretty supernatural birth, kind of like Jesus in some respects. His parents were were named Zachariah and Elizabeth, and and they were uh, an older couple that were beyond their ability naturally to have children. They were past childbearing years. And long story short, John's birth, like Jesus, was announced by the angel Gabriel. And his parents were told that, that John was going to have a very special calling on his life. 
And in Luke 1, we're also told that Elizabeth somehow is related to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And sometime in the very early stages of Mary's pregnancy, she travels to the hill country in Judea to John's mother's home, to Zachariah and Elizabeth's home. And as she enters their home, the baby in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist, says, leapt for joy. John met Jesus before either of them were even born. So follow along as I I read from John chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 6 through 8, and then we're going to jump down and read 19 through 28. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now jump down into to verse 19 through 28. I would really encourage you sometime this week, read the entire chapter 1 of John. But verse 19 starts out, Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, no, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one Calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one that you do not know. He is one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. So this morning, I want to quickly walk through this text so that we can see and understand again clearly the the special calling of John the Baptist. And after that, I want to remind each of us that although you and I are not John the Baptist, God is also calling each one of us, if we know who Jesus Christ is, to prepare the way for the Lord, to do what we can do to help other people be ready to receive Jesus. The first thing that you may notice in John chapter 1, verse 6, is that John is actually a very popular name. Incidentally, I've got three gentlemen in my men's Bible study named John. None of them are recorded in the Bible, but... John's a a, a popular name. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, which was written by the disciple John. And John, the author of the Gospel of John, was not John the Baptist. It's a little confusing. John, the author of the Gospel of John, was, of course, one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus. So let's take a look at some of what John the disciple wrote about John the Baptist. We're going to find out that God gave John the Baptist a very specific calling in his life, and it's also a calling that he's given us as well. 
John the disciple writes in verse 6, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So let's stop and unpack these three verses for now, and then we'll take a quick look at the second uh, section. There's so much that could be said from verses 6 through 8, but the main point this morning is to understand that John the writer, John the disciple, wants us to know that John the Baptist was sent by God to prepare the way for Jesus. John the Baptist was what is called often a forerunner. He was a prophet sent by God to make sure that the people in the world didn't miss the long-awaited Messiah or Savior. There were about 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. God not only spoke directly to his people through a prophet, but he did so through the prophet Malachi. And Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the first four books of the New Testament. There were 400 years of silence between them. As a forerunner, John the Baptist was given the task of preparing people to receive the light or the Savior. John the Baptist was sent to be kind of like a sign with an arrow pointing that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He was like a commercial during the Super Bowl. He was to be like a a radio spot on the most popular radio station in town, announcing that the light had come into the world to dispel the darkness. J.B. was to to be like a full-color page ad in every single publication. He was to be like that pop-up ad that, that popped up every time you turned on your computer. John the Baptist was to be like the guy dressed in a monkey suit with a placard standing out with a, a sign that read, People get ready. Jesus is coming. Don't miss him. The term witness and testify in verse 7 were terms that were very often used in legal settings that were related to establishing th- something as being true based on multiple witnesses. You see, John the Baptist was an an initial witness to the fact that the promised Savior had come into the world and that that Savior was, in fact, Jesus Christ. There would be many, many other witnesses to to that fact after John the Baptist. Among those witnesses would be an outcast Samaritan woman who would be found at a well. And an impulsive fisherman by the name of Peter would also be a witness. A, a woman caught in adultery, a hated tax collector named Matthew, and a man that was born blind but then received sight by Jesus. They and many, many other people would witness and testify to who Jesus was and to who Jesus is. This morning, I hope to convince you that any of us here this morning that are followers of Jesus have the privilege and the calling to be a witness for Jesus. 
our lives, our attitudes, our actions, our words, even our work ethic, our character, and our relationships, all those things should point others to the reality that the Savior has come. Now, John the Baptist lived a very, very unique life. And his preaching was so incredibly powerful that some thought he himself might be the Messiah or the Savior. And in verse 8, it clarifies that John the Baptist was not the light or the Savior. He had come only as a witness to the light. Like Jesus, there was a time that uh, in John's life when people began to recognize that he had something incredibly important to say. He, he attracted many, many followers, and that got the attention of the religious leaders of the day. In the second section, in verses 19 through 28 of the Gospel of John, John the disciple writes about an interaction that John the Baptist had with some religious leaders who were simply trying to figure him out. Take a look again at John 1.19. It says, now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. Apparently, they started asking John if he himself was the Messiah, the long-awaited Savior. And in verse 20, we read John's response. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. Church, think about that. How do you let the fact that there are religious leaders, respected religious leaders, that are so impressed with your teaching that they begin to think that you yourself might be the Messiah? People are starting to wonder if you're the Messiah and everyone begin, that, that everyone's been praying about. This would have been an incredibly great opportunity for John to make a name for himself. However... Much unlike Caesar Augustus that we heard about last week who set himself up as a god, John the Baptist makes it very clear, I am not the Messiah. Take a look at verses 21 and 22. The religious leaders ask him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John points them right back to the Old Testament scriptures, which they should have been familiar with. And he quotes Isaiah 40, verse 3. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. 700 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah, speaking for God, stated clearly that God would send someone to make straight the way for the Lord. There's not enough time this morning to give you all the background on that phrase, but people of that day would have been very familiar with what Isaiah and then what John had read, what that was all about. You see, if a king during that day was going to make a trip to a distant land, they would send out people to go ahead of them to prepare the way. They would have perhaps filled potholes. 
they would have, uh, you know, straightened, filled some things in, made, made the trip as smooth as possible for the king. These forerunners would maybe have been sent out months or even years ahead of the king's trip. And part of the responsibility involved announcing that the king's travel was going to come through your town or through your city. So the forerunners would say, make sure you don't miss him. And that's why God sent John the Baptist to earth to prepare the way for the Lord, to make straight the path for the Lord. Church, think about the fact that God sent John the Baptist, a forerunner, to the earth so that we would not miss the, re- the arrival of our Savior. Think about what that says about the heart of God and his love for each and every one of us. In verses 24 through 26, it says that the religious leaders questioned him about why he was baptizing people if he wasn't all these other uh, prophets. And and it's important to know that the, the type of baptism that John was performing was very different than the kind of baptism that we do in the church today. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, we read the final words of Jesus to his disciples. When he says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The type of baptism that that Jesus instituted in the New Testament church involved a public confession of faith. It was a a symbolic way of saying that that I have died to myself and been raised to new life in Jesus Christ. I am his and he is mine. The baptism that John was doing was more connected to ceremonial washing. And and that symbolized a, a person's desire to be spiritually clean, to turn away from sin. It was a baptism of repentance. And when a person was baptized by John the Baptist, it was a way of publicly saying, I want to turn away from my life of sin and prepare my heart for the coming Messiah. And when you think about it, that was 100% consistent with John's calling to prepare people to look to Jesus for forgiveness. Repentance and faith are always involved in authentic faith. Now, there's one final snapshot that I don't want you to miss this morning, and we find it in verses 27 and 28. The religious leaders sent out to question John the Baptist had just asked him, if you're not the Messiah or Elijah, why are you baptizing people? And John does what he always does. He points them to Jesus. Look at John's, uh, what John says in verses 27, 26 and 27. John the Baptist says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one that you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. 
There's much that could be said here, but here's what John the Baptist is ultimately saying to these religious leaders. Look, you're interested in me and why so many people are coming to me, but I am not the one that you should be focused on. There is someone among us whom I'm unworthy to even take off his sandals. He's the one that you should get to know, and you don't know him. In fact, uh, take a look at verse 29. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, look, the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. That, my friends, was the message that God sent John to proclaim. Jesus is the one the prophets had spoken about for hundreds and hundreds of years. Jesus is the one that you have been waiting for. Jesus is the one that you all have been praying for. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior. And he's here, if you'll let him, to take away your sin. John's ultimate message is people. Make sure you know him. This morning, let me ask each one of you, do you know Jesus? By that, I mean, do you know him as Savior and Lord and not just as a baby in a manger? Have you come to a place in your life where you put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross for you? Have you ultimately simply surrendered your life to him? As I said earlier, faith and repentance are all that are required to be in a right relationship with God. It's not about doing enough good works. It's not about coming to a place where uh, it, it is about coming to a place where you simply recognize that you yourself are a sinful person and you understand that you fall short of God's holy standard. It's about coming to a place where you recognize that you can't be good enough or religious enough on your own to meet that standard. You trust what the Bible says that you don't, but God has already done for you. You don't have to do what God has already done for you. Friend, if you're here this morning and, and you don't know what it's like to be in that personal relationship, Christmas is a perfect time to acknowledge that you believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth to die in your place. That he didn't stay in a grave, but he rose again to new light, life so that he could bring light and life into this very dark world. Sadly, Many in our world and in our communities and in our schools and neighborhoods and perhaps even many in our own families do not know Jesus in the way that I've just described. Just a few minutes ago, I read what was called the Great Commission uh, from the very end of Matthew 28. And that's where Jesus really gives the church our marching orders. We are to reach the world with the good news about Jesus Christ. We are to ourselves prepare the way for the Lord to point people, not to religion, but to point people to Jesus. As I close, I want to remind us of something that we don't ever, ever want to forget when it comes to pointing other people to Jesus Christ 
and it's found in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. The Apostle Peter says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always, always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know, the truth is that once our eyes and our hearts are open to who Jesus is and what he's done for us, we understand that Jesus is King of kings and he's Lord of lords. He's creator and savior. There's something inside of us that compels us to want to share that news with others. So what does that look like? First, let me tell you what it it doesn't look like. It doesn't mean that you live a perfect life because you and I will not live a perfect life. It doesn't mean that we have all the the answers to all the questions about life or about the Bible because we won't have all the answers. It also means we don't pick up a bullhorn and try to shout people down on the street corner. Take another look at that last sentence in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15. But do this with gentleness and respect. We are not here to argue or to debate somebody into putting their faith in Jesus Christ. But we do need to be prepared to use our words and our actions and our lives to help others learn how good it is to be in relationship with Jesus. During his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told his followers, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Church, very simply put, we are called to be light in a dark world. And in the darkness, a little light goes a long, long way. None of us are perfect. Even in our failures, we can can live our lives in such a way that the light of Jesus has the opportunity to penetrate into our dark world. Every time you or I forgive someone who hurts us, every time you and I serve someone who doesn't have any thanks for us, Anytime we love a person who may actually even hate us, we turn the light of Jesus on in our world. During the Christmas season, you and I have had, and even this week are going to have many, many opportunities to be generous, to do acts of kindness that demonstrate uh, the love of Jesus working in our lives. We're going to have the opportunity to be happy rather than jealous when your coworker gets what it is that you want for Christmas. So Seth and I are committed that if Levi gets that new Porsche he's been asking Rachel for, we're not going to be jealous. We're going to be happy for him. We have the opportunity to pitch in and to help serve our family at a, a large family meal. And at that meal, we have an opportunity uh, to uh, actually talk to rather than to ignore. I think it's Cousin Billy Bob is what Levi called him. Uh, That relative that we all have that, that people just tend to kind of exclude. We have the opportunity to love on them during Christmas. 
Students, this is a great opportunity for you to invite somebody to sit with your friend group at, at school or, or to give some attention to someone who looks like they could use a friend. Church, there are countless, countless opportunities during Christmas and all year long to let the light of Jesus shine, to simply speak of the peace and the joy that Jesus has brought into our life. John the Baptist was sent to prepare the way for Jesus. He was a forerunner, a sign pointing the people to the Savior. Eventually, as Levi mentioned last week, John the Baptist would literally lose his head because of his commitment to Jesus. But his ministry, it influenced many, many people. This morning, we've been reminded that uh, if you know Jesus, we've been given the same ministry opportunity to point people to Jesus Christ. What a joy. What a privilege. Let's use the time and the resources we have during this Christmas season and all year long to help people come to know and grow in Jesus. The band can come up. They're going to lead us in one final song. But uh, before they do, I want to simply pray for us that, that we would do an effective and a, and a good job of uh, pointing the way to the Savior. Lord, it's been a, a good morning. We thank you once again for just the opportunity to gather to worship you, uh, to focus our hearts and our minds on the, the wonder of the Christmas season, uh, the God of the universe coming in flesh to, uh, to, to live among us, uh, not, not just to live among us, but to save us. And Jesus, we thank you for that. Um, for those of us, Lord, that have um, come into relationship with you and uh, experienced forgiveness and experienced new life in you, we, uh, we just thank you for that. We thank you for the way that you have uh, transformed and changed our lives, and we ask that you would continue uh, to transform and our, change our lives so that we could, could honor you. And Lord, I pray that even this week in the hustle and the bustle of our, our culture and of this season, uh, Lord, would you give us a mind and a heart each and every day, whether it's the, the person that we interact with at, at the, uh, the sales uh, desk, uh, the person that we uh, see at the gas station, people in our, our work or in our family, Lord, uh, help us to remember that we have also been entrusted with this incredible, incredibly important uh, opportunity to point others to the reality of, of who you are. And uh, Lord, as we sing this final song, we pray that you'd be honored and glorified in it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and let's worship together.